At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Bet Sweats with Joe Ostrowski, breaking down the latest in sports betting. To the last bet sweats before championship Sunday. It is Friday, January 22nd. Joe Ostrowski here along with Ryan Horvat from 1250 The Fan up in Milwaukee. EP today, Jake Galley. Our director is Dylan Burns. Welcome into Bet Sweats. You can follow us on Twitter at Bet Sweats, at Bet Sweats. You can watch us live until what, 11 o'clock Central Time, noon Eastern. Radio.com slash Bet Sweats. Leave us a, uh, a rating and a review, five stars. Over on iTunes, Horvat, ready to bite off some kneecaps this morning? I really am, Joe. I'm so jacked, man, but I'm also, like, this time of the year, don't you get a little depressed, too, because we got two more weeks. Ah. Well, three more no. weeks. See, that's how I opened the show yesterday, because Ross Tucker's been dropping that throughout the week, and it's really pissed me off. Like, I don't want to hear anything about how there's only three more games. My focus is the delight that will be all of Sunday afternoon and evening and debating all the way we're going to bet these two games. And then the second it gets over, I'm not worried about only one more game left. I'll be studying all these props that are already already starting starting to post. No, I'm with you. At least we do have college hoops still. We got the NBA, but man, am I struggling. Now, again, the NBA, I did give you a play last night. What do you think about that uh, Bucks under? It wasn't looking good there in the first half. I told you, see, I was like, man, I'm staying away from the NBA here for the next couple of weeks because this season more than ever with COVID, A, you never know who's playing. Like, I'll do – I'll handicap uh, – college hoops, th- same thing, man. I'll handicap a college basketball game for hours, and then 25 minutes before tip, it's just called off. That was the case with USC yesterday. It's been tough. So that's the only reason. Like, usually, you know, I'm getting prepared for March Madness, but now – um yeah, I really don't want football season to go away. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that my team, the Green Bay Packers, they're actually, uh, you know, they're still playing right now, and they're pretty good. There were some disastrous seasons, so I'm looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, Horvat was on with me on the score last night. We were previewing the NFC Championship game. We'll, we're, we'll just get into this in a quick uh, minute. But in one breath, you're like, man, I, I just can't bet the NBA anymore. I can't bet the NBA. Last-minute news, never know what's going to happen. Uh, we've had some drastic line movements. Sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it doesn't. But in the same breath of telling me that he can't bet the NBA, he's telling me, yeah, I love this Bucks under uh, tipping off in a little bit. Well, you know, I mean – 
it was one of the rare games in the regular season where both teams clearly wanted it. I mean, the Lakers wanted to beat the Bucs. And, you know, the Bucs, they're struggling right now. And I think a lot of that has to do, and I know, you know, maybe we'll dip into this later, but a lot of that has to do with the way that they put that roster together. I think they were expecting to be able to bring in Bogdanovich with Drew Holiday. That deal went didn't go through. So they're struggling right now, but the one thing they do do is they do play defense. So um, I noticed that that total kept going down, despite the fact that everybody was hammering the over. So I did like that one. And then I got another one. I had the um, – what did I have? I had the Knicks last night too. So while saying I'm done with the NBA, I went 2-0 last night. So. Unbelievable. Yeah. Typical better. Typical right. uh, D-Gen. No yep. question. Let, let me find one more reason to bet this. You're not quitting anything. You're going to continue to bet the NBA on a nightly basis. Yep. All right, let's uh, dive into this NFC Championship game, Ryan. Now, this morning on points bet on Friday here, it's one of the few juice threes out there, one of the few spots. Most places are sitting at three and a half, but they're still hanging the Packers at minus three, but you've got to pay Minus 121. Total 51 and a half. The team total for the Packers is 27. The team total for Tampa Bay is 24. Now, if um, if you want to go money line, if you want to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can you can get plus 150 there. <sighs> Let's do a little exercise because I think we agree on a side and we're and um there's plenty of time to go over that, but let's look on what I think is the other side, right? Because yeah. I've talked about it this week. I think we're both leaning Green Bay. We'll make official picks as the show moves along, and we'll give you our rationale. Let, let's see if we can make a case for Tampa Bay, because I'm going to be honest. As I've thought more and more about this game throughout the week, I started to see, okay, you know what? I, I can see Tampa Bay pulling this out, mm-hmm. uh, or at least covering, especially if you if you got the three and a half. Now, Let's throw out the obvious ones, and and let's see if we can shut all of these down, if they have true merit. Uh, Week six, of course, we know how how, the dominoes fall for Tampa Bay, and it was 30. They roll in that game. Todd Bowles, he's had success blitzing Aaron Rodgers this year in that one game. It was Rodgers' worst game of the year. He was sending everybody. I think he's sending Derek Brooks in that game, Like, and, and you would expect them to do the same. Of the four teams playing, They have by far the best defense left. They are a top five defense. The other three defenses, somewhere in that middle block, middle of the road teams. Bucks offensive line has been impressive, and they've been tested twice in the playoffs, going up against Washington and New Orleans. They've been successful. Uh, I would make the argument that they have the best set. They are the deepest set of skill position players left in the postseason. Can, can we shut down all of those arguments, any of those arguments? Let's start with let's start with uh, with the week six loss for the Packers because that game that was the worst performance they've had all season long. And it started off kind of like every game for Green Bay has started off where they put up 10 points right away. They got a 10 nothing lead in that game. And then we see something that we never see. We haven't seen it since I think 2007, 2008 where Rogers, Aaron Rodgers throws back to back interceptions. He throws a pick six, and then on the next position, uh, next possession, he throws another interception. Reason being, like you said, man, they sent the blitz. They sent the blitz. He was sacked three times in that game. He gets picked off twice, and you know I'm getting messages like, "What's going on?" Because the pass protection all season long was great. I mean, everybody's like, "What's the big difference between Rodgers this year and Rodgers the last couple of years?" He's not getting hit. I mean, against the Bears this year, look what happened. Even with Cleo Mack healthy and 
Rodgers, I think he was sacked once in both matchups. He's not taking any hits. I think he's been sacked 21, 22 times only this season. In that game, though, they dialed up the blitz, and they got after him. A lot of that had to do with David Bakhtiari goes down in that game. Uh, now, obviously, he's out for the year. He tore his uh -huh. ACL right before week 17, so they're not going to have him. But now they're more prepared. Um, you know, Elton Jenkins, I consider him to be one of the best offensive linemen in pro football. I know he's not really a household name. He's been in the league for two years now. He's only allowed one sack in the last two years. But the best part about this guy, he could play guard. He could play tackle. His natural position is center. He could play anywhere on the offensive line. Also, what they've done um, since that Tampa Bay game, like even if you look in that Tampa Bay game, they were using their running backs a lot as receivers. I mean, Aaron Jones was averaging – the running backs were averaging 75 yards, I believe, receiving yards, uh, weeks one through six. Since then, they're averaging 35 receiving yards per game because now they're using their running backs more in pass protection. So I think we'll see a lot of Jamal Williams. Uh, we'll see a lot of two tight end okay. formations. And that's why you'll see a lot of Alan Lazard who makes that big catch in the fourth quarter uh, against the Rams because you could use him in those two tight end formations and he could take on a defensive end. He could block an outside linebacker. So they've really changed the protection to protect Aaron Rodgers since then. And since that game, again, he gets sacked in that game three times. The Panthers, the Titans, and the Bears all did send heavy blitz packages at Green Bay. None of those have been effective. Off the blitz, mm -hmm. Rodgers hasn't been sacked since week six against Tampa Bay. So I give Matt LaFleur a lot of credit, and I give this offensive line a lot of credit. I do think that Rodgers will be protected this week, and I don't see him throwing back-to-back -back interceptions. Okay, what about the impressive offensive line that we've seen out of Tampa Bay. Can Green Bay get pressure? I mean, it, it's it's kind of boring to talk about, but this game is probably going to be decided in the trenches. If there's a, a big advantage on one side, you're probably looking at the winner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I do think that see, it's going to be interesting to see what the game plan is against Tampa Bay because my problem with Green Bay all season long and their defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, is they play a lot of soft zone coverage. It's third and three, and this has been the story with Green Bay for years. You know, third and three, and Jair Alexander and Kevin King and the defensive backs are playing like 10 yards down the field, and quarterbacks are just dinking and dunking on third down. Um, lately, against teams like, like the Rams, I thought Mike Pettin had the perfect defensive game plan because you didn't see a whole lot of zone. You saw a lot of man-to-man, -man, and they sent, you know, three, four at Jared Goff. Now, against mobile quarterbacks, they don't do that a whole lot because – Green Bay struggles stopping the run and with mobile quarterbacks. Like if they're going against Josh Allen this week, I think we see a lot of zone defense because he could beat you with his legs. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, especially at this stage of his career, isn't going to do that. Jared Goff, same thing, wasn't able to do that. So they were actually able to get home on Goff. Like Rashawn Gary, the second half of the season, he wasn't starting the first eight weeks of the season. It was Zadarius and Preston Smith. Since then, Mike Pettin switched things around, and now we're seeing a lot more Rashawn Gary and if you look what he did against the Rams, he had seven quarterback pressures in that game against Goff. He also had seven quarterback pressures against the Jags week 10. And, and that's when he really started to kind of take off. And people are like, okay, now I understand why you, they use this first round pick because a lot of people thought Gary was going to be a bust out of Michigan. You know, they didn't really know how to use him that first year as a rookie. And then since the second half of the season, man, 46 total quarterback pressures, second on the team, just to Zadarius Smith, who has 58. I think they're going to put some pressure on Tom Brady. And as we've seen in the past, you know, I know Brady, he could play in the cold weather, but if you hit him in the cold weather at Lambeau Field, I think he's going to serve up a couple interceptions this game. He'll probably turn the ball over. 
I do expect a couple sacks from Green Bay in this game. And, you know, I expect the defense to show up. I mean, Jair Alexander, I consider him to be the best corner in the league. Look what he did against Mike Evans week six. Look what he did last week against the Rams. They only targeted him three times. He gave up one reception for negative three yards. I think the defense will have success even against this, you know, Tampa Bay offense that's just stacked with weapons. Okay. So, I mean, you, you cover the Packers every day, especially when it's football season. That's pretty much all you guys are talking about a little bit at Giannis, but it's all about uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, especially when they have a season like this. What about the the last thing I mentioned, a uh, case for the Bucks? Have you seen this Packers D? Now they've turned it on a little bit. I, I want to dive more into that. Um, some of the opponents that they've seen in the second half of the season, because that's part of the equation here. But have they gone against any high-powered offenses that have this many weapons? It's not just Evans and Godwin. I mean, yeah, there's A.B. A.B.'s not even out there for half the snaps. Yeah. You, you know he's going to try and and get Gronk involved in the game. Same thing with Bray. We saw a little bit of that. But guys like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson making unbelievable grabs last week. Have they played offenses that have this many weapons and how have they done? You know, Tampa Bay, um, obviously, in the loss. But, you know, even if you look what Tampa Bay did offensively, they were gifted great field position because of two interceptions from Aaron Rodgers. They struggled against the Colts. I mean, they uh, struggled against Minnesota in their loss to the Vikings and that upset loss. Delvin Cook forced 18 missed tackles in that game. They couldn't tackle him. So that's mm -hmm. what – I mean, I can make the case for Tampa Bay. I mean, I, I really could win yeah. the game because, A, I, I have three rules. And, and you know, I don't I don't uh, mess with the devil. I don't bet against Nick Saban. And I don't mess and, – and I don't bet against, uh, you know, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. But now, obviously, he's in Tampa Bay. So maybe, you know, maybe this time it will work out for me. But here's what scares me. You brought up the two tight ends, Rob Gronkowski, who, you know, at times this season, maybe he's looked a little washed up against Green Bay. He was the leading receiver in that game. Green Bay has trouble stopping crossing routes. They have trouble stopping the tight end. Cameron Bray, Cameron Bray scares the hell out of me in this game. And um, it's funny because I did the um, the Green Bay Packer huddle show last night and everybody's like, you know, who, who, who scares you the most on this offense? Is it Mike Evans? Is it Chris Godwin? And I said, to be quite honest, it's Scotty Miller, because that's the kind of guy that's going to catch like a 65 yard touchdown pass in this game, because I'm fully confident. You know, if I'm playing props, I'm playing Mike Evans unders. I think Jair is going to be on him for 75 percent of the snaps. I think he's going to shut him down. Here's where Tampa Bay could take advantage of the Green Bay defense. Um, we've seen this season Preston Smith, who's a pass rusher, but we've seen him one on one in coverage with tight ends a lot. And it never works out for the Packers. So if you get Cameron Bray, or even if you get Rob Gronkowski at his age, one-on-one -on -one with any of the Packers linebackers, they could do some damage. And then another guy that scares the hell out of me, Joe, is, well, Leonard Fournette's playing great football right now. Probably the best football I've seen him play since. Maybe he was at LSU or those first couple of years in Jacksonville when they went to the AFC title game. But Ronald Jones in that first meeting, and again, we got to see how healthy he is coming into this game. He went for over 100 yards. The Packers couldn't tackle him. They have trouble stopping the run. Now they've corrected some things. Uh, we really started to take notice in the game against Tennessee when Derrick Henry was coming to Lambeau Field. We all expected Derrick Henry, because of what he did all year, to go for over 150 yards. They held him in check. They held him in check. I mean, they held him under 100 yards. He still had 98 yards rushing. But for Derrick Henry, that's holding him in check. So that's what scares me. Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, this running game, and then the tight ends and the crossing routes. Um, so I can make the case for Tampa Bay being able to move the ball and put up some points in this game.
Yeah, I, I think you absolutely can. And, that, and that's why I, I want to look at it from both sides, because I think we're both going to land on Green Bay. And uh, we'll give some reasons why. I mean, what, while we say Rodgers had his worst game against this same defense against the Blitz, he's usually superb against the Blitz. He's a top three, top five quarterback throughout the year. So maybe it was just that that sample size of one game. Um, what else we got going on? So this defense that has really turned it on since week 13, like some of the numbers that you look at, touchdown percentage allowed, they're second. We're talking about elite stuff. They're second in coverage grade on PFF since week 13. And if you want to throw in week 12, I don't have an issue with that. That was against the Bears. Bears couldn't do anything in the first half. The only reason they racked up some yardage was in the second half. It was all garbage time. The game was over. Packers didn't care. And we've seen that a lot this year throughout the regular season. Green Bay giving up the booty in the second half of the game after jumping on teams in the first half. But the offenses that they've had a lot of success against. So let, let's talk about how real is this. Philadelphia, a mix of Wentz and Hurts, a Detroit, Carolina, Tennessee. Now that's probably the best offense in this whole group. Yeah. Uh, Chicago with Trubisky, the Rams last week with Goff, and he's been he was dealing with the thumb, and he was actually all right in the first half. He was moving the football, which was more than uh, most people expected. End of the game, only put up 18 points on the board. Now, is that part of it? The the opponent they haven't faced any good offenses, and here's TB12 with all his weapons. Well, that's what we're gonna find out, I guess, man. Because like last year, I kept trying to make the case that they were a good football team. Nobody wanted to buy in, including Las Vegas, to the Green Bay Packers last year. And our own fan base. I mean, I had phone calls nonstop. This is the worst 13-3 and football team I've ever seen. And I said, there's no such thing. You don't win 13 games in the NFL on accident. But if you look at point differential and some different metrics, I mean, you know. And the way some of those games finished in prime time that everybody saw, like the narrative got out of control a little bit. Right, exactly. And, And so, you know, they go into San Francisco last year in the NFC Championship game. And I did this thing where I said, okay, it's hard to beat the same team twice. And I'm so sick of that because I don't know that it really is, man. And and, and Green Bay got blown out. They gave up 300 yards on the ground. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo only had to throw the ball in that game. He only had to drop back eight times. All they did was run the football down Green Bay's throat. Mike Pettin didn't make any adjustments until the second half. And by then it was too late. So that's what does concern me, man, is it's been such a great season. But then you look right. You bring up the Philadelphia game. And Wentz was so bad in that game. Oh, you bring up the Bears and even like the Bears, though, scared me a little bit. Like Trubisky was able to move the football a little bit. Goff. And game other- was over. Game was over. OK, well, that's the thing about Green Bay. Like you said, that's what scares me about them in the second half is they kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit. Listen to right. this. What I did. Um, and I know we'll get into our plays a little bit later on, but I laid it with Green Bay on the money line in the first half in this game. Because check out the stat during the mm-hmm. regular season. They score 73 points on their opening possessions. On their opening possessions, they've scored in 13 of 16 games. Now, they didn't get in the end zone against the Rams, but then they scored, I believe, on their next like three or four possessions. This season, in the second quarter, 219 points scored. That's a plus 127-point differential, which is nearly 50 points greater than the next best team. First quarter, same thing. Matt LaFleur scripted drives to start the games. They're a beautiful thing. They're a work of art. I could see like Tampa Bay getting back into this game, Brady dropping back a lot in the second half, but I love Green Bay in the first half of this game. But what you brought up, like they have played some stinkers in the second half. Go back to that game. It was a Saturday night against Carolina. 
they were awful in the second half. I mean, Carolina had a chance to tie that game with a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And again, it was kind of the same story as in against Tampa Bay where Rodgers was sacked like three or four times in the second half. So if Tampa Bay is able to get pressure on Rodgers, it could be a rough day. It could be a rough day for him. But, um, yes, yeah, so that, that's what I'm looking at in this game. I do think Green Bay is going to get off to a fast start, though. I like what you're talking about, so let's go through some bets here. Now, if you want to bet Green Bay in the first half and you, and your book or your favorite book is only offering three and a half and you're you're scared about that hook and you're scared about the way the Packers play defense in the second half, you don't have to worry about that if you bet the first half. Horvat says go money line. You could also just lay the two and a half if you don't want to lay that much juice. And uh, Horvat, another way to look at things, you said the second quarter is key. Now, I got to set an up and alert to remind myself to bet on the Packers in the second quarter once, yeah. that, once that first quarter is over. Now, if you're willing to go, Packers minus a half a point on points bet. You can get that at plus money at plus 110. I see better odds out there. Take the Packers in the first quarter. You think they're going to have the lead? Uh, you can get plus money. That seems like a solid bet. Overall, I don't think it's crazy. Now, look on the flip side. Tampa Bay is also a second-half team. So you have a first-half team going up against a second-half team. It might be as simple as saying you bet Green Bay in the first half, Tampa Bay in the second half. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's what I'm thinking. And that's how I think this game goes down because I think Green Bay is going to come out highly motivated. I hate to do this like Disneyland, Hollywood stuff, but yesterday we got really sad news that Ted, uh, Ted Thompson passed away, only 68 years old. Now, his first draft pick as general manager of the Green Bay Packers was Aaron Rodgers. Other guys that, he have found, that he's found, like this may be the last run. That's the other thing that we're not really talking about with this Green Bay team. I expect them to be good next season, but it's hard – like the NFL's built so we don't have dynasties. It's hard to be this good. And if you look at it next year, I don't think Aaron Jones is going to be back. Uh, he hired a new agent. He's going to want a big deal. I don't expect him to be back. And even if he is, Corey Lindsley, who I think is the best center in all of football, he probably won't be back. Kevin King may not be back. All of these guys, though, were found by Ted Thompson. I think they're going to come out highly motivated. Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, uh, Kevin King. Uh, you could go on and on. Robert Tunyon, all these guys were drafted by Ted. They all had a very personal relationship with them. I think they're going to come out motivated. Also, I hate when we use the term bulletin board material, but in that loss against Tampa Bay, man, they were doing the, the belt when Sack and Rodgers. Sue was going back and forth with Rodgers, getting in his head. I think they're going to come out motivated. I think they're going to put up points, and I think they're going to have a big lead. By big lead, I mean I think they're going to have a two-score lead in the first half. And then I see Brady – Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I, th I see Tampa Bay having to throw the ball a lot in the second half. 
Unless again, mm-hmm. Ronald Jones is running for all over the place like he did in the first meeting, and I see them getting back in the game. I think it's going to be a close game, but I do think Green Bay in the first half, I think they're going to have a, a nice little lead, and I kind of like the over in the in the first half as well. I've I forgot what I seen in that twenty four, maybe twenty seven. I don't have it right in front of me right now, but I think that there's going to be some points scored in that first half. I mean, I think Green Bay gets in the end zone three times. And you know Tampa Bay is going to put up some points in the first half, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. I think we're going to have some points. So I like Green Bay in the first half. I like the over. I think they're going to be really motivated in this game. Now, that's, that seems like a stronger way to attack it. You bet on Green Bay in the first half. Now, if you like what you see or you think the number you see at halftime to bet Tampa Bay in the second half, I like that more than saying if you're forced to lay three and a half at your book or even paying the, the heavy juice at minus three, um, minus 121, like it is right now. Like I, I would rather do first half, second half stuff or do some in-game stuff as well. And and some player props I want to get into. So, but you agree with that overall premise that instead of going the full game minus three and a half, like the way the Packers defense has played in second halves and Brady and all of those weapons – why don't you just go with, with the Packers to take control of this game early? Yeah, man. And I, I would not lay the three and a half. You know, I would either, if you if it's available, I would buy the hook, you know, and I, and I know that me and you always talk about that. I like to buy the hook if I can. Um, <laughs> or I would just lay, I mean, we got three more weeks of football, man. It is what it is. I'll just lay it on the money line. I Now, I have a Green Bay uh, Super Bowl future. I have a Bills Super Bowl future. So, if anything, I'd maybe look at the hook and take Tampa Bay three and a half and then take the Chiefs on the money line. I can see this game coming down. We haven't seen it all season long. Like the last five years, we've seen so many games come down to a game-winning field goal for the Green Bay Packers where they have to rely on Mason Crosby. We've seen it in the playoffs against Dallas years back where Rodgers finds Jared Cook on the sideline. Crosby has to save him with a game-winning field goal. Hell, twice – Last year against the Lions, Green Bay didn't even have a lead in either game, and it took two Mason Crosby game-winning field goals. I could honestly see this being like a 24-all game in the fourth quarter, and it comes down to a game-winning field goal. Or I could see Tampa Bay, you know, doing – see, the other thing, Joe, is I feel like while it's been a great year for Green Bay, I feel like here in Milwaukee, like, we always make this – we always joke, like, the Bucs the last two years, they've been the number one overall seed. And then in the playoffs, uh, they collapsed two years ago in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Raptors. Last year, they don't get past the second round against the Heat. I always say, I don't think we're allowed to have nice things. Like Green Bay, <laughs> the NFC title loss. You, you know what? I don't want to hear no. it. I don't, no, 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 no. Hold on. You have arguably the best basketball player in the world. You have this year the best quarterback in the world. Quarterback has never been an issue your entire life up there. I'm here in Chicago. I'm not even going over the list. I don't want to hear it. You can't have nice things. Aaron Rodgers, Giannis. Okay, okay. And 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 Christian Yelich, although last year was a little bit of a disaster for you. We'll we'll see what happens. happens Yeah, three MVPs. No, but okay, let me ask you this question as a Bears fan, right? Years back, that NFC Championship loss against Seattle, where you have a three-score lead, you take your foot off the gas in the second half, an onside kick, you go to overtime, Rodgers doesn't even touch the ball. Would you rather go through losses like that, or would you rather just go 8-8 eight and eight every year? Because I'll tell you, Losses man, like that. Losses like that. So a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned how uh, the rules have kind of eliminated the dynasty and this is what the NFL wants. They don't want those dynasties. They want so many teams in the mix and, you know, worst to first, first to worst kind of league. They love that stuff. And, you know, it gets most fan bases involved. 
it, it kind of seems like this is wild, but kind of seems like the dynasty in this era, the dynasties are if you are a true contender every single year, then you can sort of be viewed as a dynasty. And how do you become a true contender every year? Eh, get a top five quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. That or, or have a quarterback on a rookie deal, like the Kansas yeah. Chiefs. I love that. Now it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to be able to do here. The next Russ, season, you know, Russ before. He got paid when yeah. they were able to actually pay the guys. Yeah. You, like pay the Legion of boom. And now since then, since they haven't been able to obviously pay guys like Earl Thomas, they've been, you know, a little bit of a disaster on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you though, that's the only thing like going into this game last year, I was so confident that they were going to beat San Francisco, even on the road. I was like, okay, this is the storybook ending for Aaron Rodgers. man. He goes back to his hometown on the West coast, gets revenge against the team that passed them up. Cause he could have been the number one overall pick. And they passed on him. They took Alex Smith. And I even bet my hair on the line. I had to shave my head. And that was just. <laughs> yeah. well, that game was over in the second quarter. That game was over. Uh, myself and Bart Winkler, who I do the morning show with here in Milwaukee, we did the pregame show. And then we watched the first half together. It was the first drive of the game. Scoreless ball game. Packers fourth and one in Matt LaFleur on fourth and one decides to punt the ball against that San Francisco defense. And I said, oh, the game's over. The game's over. You got to be aggressive here. And they weren't. And I knew it was over right there. So just some of these NFC championship losses, the one against Atlanta a couple years back where Green Bay had Ladarius Gunter as their shutdown corner trying to cover Julio Jones and he stiff armed him to hell. That was tough to watch. That was at least a blowout. I almost feel like the blowout NFC championship losses are easier to take than a loss like the one against Seattle or the playoff loss years back against Arizona where Rodgers throws that Hail Mary to Jeff Janis only not to touch the ball in overtime that's the other problem we have man every other year in the playoffs we go to overtime Aaron Rodgers never touches the ball every other year we go to the NFC championship I know I know you know it's first world problems over here because it's a far far off to Rodgers that's all I got you know not even as a Bears fan just any NFL fan no matter stop just stop. How, crazy, hey, how crazy is it though that this is the first NFC championship game that Rodgers gets at Lambeau Field we always bring up his record, one and four in NFC title games, mm. or whatever at Lambeau Field. I honestly think it's going to make a huge difference. The narrative that I hated last week, really quick, Joe, was um, Jared Goff coming to Lambeau Field. He wasn't going to be able to throw the football. So Why are we like he was coming to the freaking North Pole, man? It's I mean, it's cold, but come on, man. There's 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 warmed up benches. They got heaters on the sidelines. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I I talked about that all week too. And the other thing was. The, the numbers that everyone was throwing out there, zero touchdown passes. It was a sample size of two games against two of the best defenses in the league at that time in the Bears and Broncos. And they both had elite pass rushes. Ridiculous. 